Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club. It's been a fun couple days. Good friend, great instructor. Everybody knows who you are, Chris Como. What's up? How you doing, Tony? It's hey. good. So we, I thought tonight because we had a we had a dinner and we've got Andy Ogletree, we got Vince Whaley, VW the Bug, Emilio's coming out here, and we've got Morgan Hale. And I thought we we're all sitting around. We had dinner together. I thought we'd title this edition of the Tour Coach Podcast "Questions with Como." <laughs> Because I felt like earlier at dinner, everybody was just asking you questions. Okay. Yeah. So I thought we'd just kind of continue that and and ask some questions. All right. You, you like that? Yes. Yeah. Let's go. All right. I get to ask questions back then. We can censor those. Because <laughs> that'd be. I have no editorial control in this. I guess. No, no. This isn't like you at the show today. Yeah, yeah. No, you, well, you don't have it. This is my. This is. It's not a very big deal, but it's my little deal. So let's talk about some stuff. Okay. You ready? Yep. All right. How much further do you think Bryson can hit it? I think he's got an extra 10 to 15, maybe. We'll see how this 48-inch driver goes. That's going to be... You optimistic about that? I am. I'm optimistic about it. It'll take a little time to kind of really feel like it's uh, game ready, I'm sure. But right. I'm, I'm optimistic about it, yes. Augusta's a good place to debut it. It would be, yeah, wouldn't it? Right. That'd be really you got nice. a little room there. Yep, yep. Seems to open up as you get farther down there a bit. So A little bit, not. but I will say, though, you know... As we exhibited today, feel pretty good about Andy's shot on 16 on Sunday. Though, after he did it, right? I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I think he'll play 16 great. Yeah, we'll draw. All right, anybody got another question for Como? I mean, you're a big biomechanic guy to an extent, right? I knew he was going to start talking. I knew I could I get mean, the what, Georgia what Tech would be the one thing maximize distance. What would you like? High, higher level player. Well, I mean, like to the first part, biomechanics guy. I don't know. I was teaching. For 12 years before I knew anything about mechanics. So, you know, I'd already spent time around McElgrady and Hank Haney and Schreiber and Brady Riggs and worked for Ledbetter way before I took any biomechanics class. But to me, it's like, does it help to know a little bit about physics and a little bit about the body? I mean, sure, right? So having a longer swing helps a lot. Right. If someone doesn't use their lower body at all, just like it's just standard like golf stuff, right? If you got a short swing, you're, you're not going to really hit as far typically. So lengthen your swing. If you increase like your range of motion, if you have no lower body motion, you know, make that a little bit more active. That'll probably help you hit it farther. So like the, all the research and science stuff, it, it's it's not really showing anything different than like what I think a lot of teachers kind of already intuitively know just from being on the range. But you know, maybe it gives a little bit of an insight onto to some of the inner workings but again there's no like no secret yeah there's no crazy secret right like in general in instruction there's no there's no real secret at all so which i think is a good point we've talked before but I, I think that's important for any instructor to know coming up like to me nobody's i mean there's variations of stuff out there but like no one person has this deep insight into knowledge that nobody else has mm. And that's not what separates, I don't think. No, I mean, I think I think the, the, if you're trying to become a great coach, in my mind, you're trying to learn as, as much as you can that's out there, right? So you are studying some of the biomechanics. You're learning from other teachers. You're studying what great players have done, like knowing, you know, a variety of, like, all these different swings that have existed that have, that have hit the ball really well. But then, like, you're trying to sort of fill your brain with that information. You're trying to give a lot of lessons so you can do a lot of reps yourself, just sort of seeing all the different kind of, like, versions of swings and faults and misses or whatever and you're basically just trying to like 
become a really good problem solver, right? You're just trying to become like a really good detective of sorts. So for me, like, if, if I were to say, okay, what's the skill set that I feel like that I, that I'm, I'm good at with my coaching? It's not really the knowledge or any of that. It's just sort, sort of like being in the moment and be able to help someone solve a problem. So like even at at, at Wingfoot on Saturday night with like Bryson, we were on the range till whatever it was eight thirty nine late. Late and 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 it was is about sort of what was the problem? Yeah, I mean he didn't. What were you trying to solve? He didn't hit it great on Saturday, right? So and and when he came off the course, I was like, that's the round that wins you U.S. Open because he chipped and putted unbelievable. Like there's so much grit in that round, but he did not hit it great. So you know, like there's some stuff with his swing. I, I couldn't have been out there with him and helped him solve that problem unless I had a ton of understanding of him as an individual. There wasn't some sort of like biomechanics or track man knowledge that, I mean, you know, that information is kind of running in the background as part of how you solve a problem. Sure. But it was really about knowing the player, knowing his tendencies, having at tons of like time with them, seeing different misses, et cetera, that in that moment we were able to kind of think through it and, and, and sort of, you know, get to a better place. Um, so yeah. Did you change anything on the range or did you reinforce what you already were doing? It wasn't like changing something in terms of like like new. It's more about okay, this is what you, you typically do when you, you hit it well. This is how it kind of got out of that for whatever reason, and we just sort of have to like reset it. But thinking through maybe why it got off, you know, from Friday from Friday's round to Saturday's round, I was watching the whole tournament inside on TV, and I would actually film swings that they had on the telecast. So I had some strings on my phone, and we kind of talked through it and all that. And, and I was just like, okay, this is kind of what you're doing out there. Let's, let's try to fix this. Was it a difficult deal or more just? It's just, hey, trying to hit off the toe. I love it when you give me the technical. <laughs> <laughs> so what torque is this? All right. <laughs> Easy. He's walking up and joining us. Any more questions for Como? Let's just go with something simple like favorite golf course. Okay, no Cypress, no Augusta, no Pine Valley, no Seminole. <laughs> Favorite course? Favorite golf course. I, you know, from I, design to manicure to everything. Oh, jeez. I'm not like a huge like golf course architecture guy. I feel like, like you would be. No. Um, I mean, I, Ribs just got such like a, a place in my heart because I grew up out there. And, and I mean, I love, like, there's so many things I love about Ribs. To me, it's so interesting. Like, grew up in that area. Like, I, I would go out when I was a kid and watch the, it was at the time, the Nissan Open or the LA Open. I would, I would go out to that range with an old Canon ZR10 and I actually snuck onto the range when I was like 19 and got a bunch of footage of Elk, Davis Love the Third, Nick Price. And uh, I was just like, I was this kid out there filming swings. And then someone eventually like tapped me on the shoulder, like, Do you have a badge? I'm like, Ah, they kicked me off the range. So I just have so many great uh, memories of Riviera. Plus, I love the track. Plus, it's a great place if you have a couple guys play in a tournament. It's an awesome course to like watch people play because right. there's a lot of places where you can just kind of you know camp out and go to different holes real easily. So, Rib's great. Okay, this is my plug, shameless plug, but like Dallas National is awesome track, and it's the best course probably. In that Texas. was shameless. I wouldn't even have expected nah, you to do this. I know, <laughs> but it is. I, I love that place. It's just such a great place. I mean, for Texas, and that's kind of where I spend most of my time now. So whatever. Are you really a resident there? Huh? In, in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, technically. Technically. Yeah. You don't spend much time anywhere. Yeah. More, more than more, more than fifty percent. So. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll go roof. I'll go roof. Oh, so you're a golf nerd. What what got you? I mean, you are. Sure. Right. But what? So you video and swings when you're 19. What got you into video and swings? I took up golf late. I took up golf when I was like 16, ish. 
Um, I grew up playing hockey more than anything. Really? Yeah. When Gretzky got traded to the Kings, I was in high school, and there was like a huge hockey boom in L.A. Okay. And I got caught up into that. And then uh, a friend of mine's uncle took me golfing, kind of got enamored with it quickly. And, you know, I guess in my mind, I, I wanted to uh, just like get really good at the game. And I thought if I study it, I can sort of make up for lost time. I can sort of speed up this process of getting better at it by just like stunned the crap out of it so um and i was just obsessed with the game so yeah i would like read a bunch of golf books i would go find a bunch of teachers that i thought you know i could learn from like adam schreiber brady riggs and then i just every chance i could i would i would uh get footage of guys and and um you know at that time this was like in the the late 90s there wasn't like youtube where you have all these swings just at your disposal right so you had to get it yourself so whenever uh the tournaments would come into town i would go out there with a camera and and get as much footage as i could when did you decide you wanted to teach for a living and do what you do probably i probably kind of knew it even then deep down inside but like i uh i dislocated my shoulder i was playing i dislocated my shoulder and then when that happened i was already like kind of teaching people that i would be competing with this, I kind of got this reputation of someone who like you know, knew some stuff about the golf swing, which in hindsight was like not accurate, right? Like I didn't know crap, but like uh, you know, I just I, again I, I had that reputation a bit. Just get my shoulder, and it's like okay, I'm gonna go down this path just 100. percent so. Anybody? Any more questions for Como? Jump in. I, I don't know if you've ever worked with someone that's so like analytical as Bryson. What was your biggest challenge whenever you took the step of like taking someone in in your team like that? Like Bryson? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think. I think that's probably some of the benefit of, of doing the, kind of the biomechanics stuff yeah. is that if you if you need to talk that language, like if I need to talk to, you know, someone like Bryson or, you know, like a Bob Grover or Sasha McKenzie or whatever, like, you know, I kind of know the language to where I can like go down those rabbit holes yeah. and have those conversations. So it's not really, it wasn't tough at all. I mean, I think, and that's part of, in my opinion, part of like, you know, just coaching is, is is sort of being a chameleon of sorts where you you're, you're very adaptable you're very sort of you know flexible in the language you use depending on who you're working with and at the end of the day it's about communication so you know if, if i'm working with a person and there's a sort of a set of words that they feel comfortable with i'm going to communicate in those words because yeah. the whole idea is to convey something to them right like whatever that is and if it's if it's talking to, to you know someone who maybe has like a physical therapy background or whatever you're gonna you're gonna tend to use more kind of um you know the language of like whatever that whole world yeah. you know more like anatomical motions type stuff because it's just it's simpler for communication yeah. with that person so to me it's always about using the language that's going to help you communicate with the person that you're yeah. you're interacting with so you'd say that's probably what attracted bryson to work with you um in a way? I, I think more just like my my thought process less about the language but more about how i kind of think through a problem is i think where we we have a lot of sort of um kind of similarities and we have a lot of like good chemistry yeah you both really like problem solving yeah what i gather yeah yeah exactly i mean in fact during you know one of my previous stints in the smiley years i mean you and i talked like i and you enjoyed the you enjoyed the delving into and trying to figure out and the problem solving. We yep. talked. Yep. Yep. Yeah. To me, that's that's the fun of it. It's like every single person's got their own kind of unique things that they do. You know, what are the, what's the shot they want to hit? What's the miss they don't want to hit? And then um, you know, trying to help them think through like why that happens. You know, 
when the good stuff happens, why does it happen? When the bad stuff happens, why, why does that happen? That's it. I'm going to move away from Bryson. Okay. Well, I mean, I could. I, I don't think he's going to be the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. All right, but think back over your coaching career. Is there a something you did or a decision with a player or something like where you look back on that and you go, that was stupid? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, okay. Let me think in particular. I mean, you asked me, like, a question today. It was, like, the funniest thing. I mean, I'm going to ask you, like, you got to have one good one in there where, like, and that – Looking back on it now, that wasn't the best thing I ever did. Yeah, um, there's there's a good player like I. Oh, I mean, I had a couple of them. Um, <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, you like you're gonna make like mistakes, right? Like I remember like when I first had like started like getting into TrackMan. I had a guy, good player, and you know, he was uh, correctly, he was pretty out to in, and. He would hit off the toe and hit these kind of like little baby fades, right? And everything was like off the toe, off the toe, off the toe. And I was like, oh man, you gotta like, you gotta try and hit like center of the face type stuff, right? All of a sudden it's like balls like going like 50 yards right because he was using toe gear effect to kind of counteract. Okay. So it would have have been a big cut. He was using a lot of like his toe hit to counteract that. And, you know, for a minute there, I stayed on like, man, we gotta get center of the face. And it just was like pulling teeth. It was just like not. That didn't feel solid to him. Toe hits felt solid to him. So like his whole perception of what air quotes solid was, was was based upon this ecosystem that he created to, to create a usable ball flight, which was working off of a toe hit. So it was like eventually it was just like went back to it and it was like, okay, how do you manage that? That, that toe hit was just how he played golf. So it's one of those things where, you know, you learn pretty quickly that like something that sounds like an ideal scenario when you're dealing with like the ecosystem of a right. player's swing, it just doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's things like, uh, you know, I remember one time I got, I tried to get a player kind of like hit the ball really high to get more lean in the shaft and just like, he just completely lost control of the face by trying to lean it more. So stuff like that, better player, where it's just like in this, you know, kind of chasing an ideal of creating a certain ball flight, you know, you have the potential to like hurt someone if you're not really careful, right? I think I've always been good enough, like I've been like sort of aware enough to kind of like not be super rigid and be stuck on something. Chase it too far. Yeah, that you can kind of get out of it fairly quickly. So like we were able to work out of it, but it was like it was like it, it was down that path enough time for a long enough period of time where it's like that's not good for this person, right? And 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 and, and the whole thing, like the way they saw the everything, there's the whole. They hit a higher ball flight, but that's how they saw golf, right? Just even when they hit it lower and it was like a good shot, it was like it just didn't fit the way they right. played golf. They played. Yeah, so just kind of like that's just sort of, you know, rookie teaching mistakes, things like that. I, I mean, I don't know that it's – I mean, to me, too, teaching higher-level players, tour players, adds an extra level of that because yeah. they're already really good at doing things. Yeah. And, I, you know, that's – we mentioned it a couple times today. Like, to me, that's – where you have to be careful because, like, with your preferences, because you could change something that to you would look better, but could totally screw them up. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, really, more matter of fact, just not give them any benefit. Like, it's just changing something to change something. Yeah. Yeah. So, we talked today. We were doing doing your show, and I said where I started with a student. I was telling we were doing that segment about the rope. So, when a new player comes to you, new tour player been struggling a little bit where do you start what's the first thing you do ask a lot of questions so if someone's already if they're like a good player and if they've had some success like some real success that they've had 
for a tour guy, I, I'm, I'm trying to take in as much information as possible. Like, I'm asking them a ton of questions. If they had a window where they felt like they played their best golf, I'm trying to get swings from that time. It's like, send me as many swings from whatever it is. 2015 when you you know, one whatever tournament or whatever it is, right? And I'm just really doing my due diligence to understand what they did when they played their best golf and just trying to kind of immerse myself in, okay, what was their swing like then? What was their body like then? Why did they move out of it? Were they trying to change something swing-wise? Was there some sort of like environmental influence that pulled them out of that? Just really trying to play detective. Now, if it's someone who is, say, a tour guy who has like, for example, you know, always finished in like, you know, a hundredth on the money list. And they always, they've never had a window where they're like, oh, I played my best golf here. They're like, I've always kind of struggled to keep my car type of thing. That's a totally different animal, right? Cause you don't have that precedent of what they did when they played their best golf. That's also a really tricky situation because if you don't handle that right, like sure, they want to like be a better golfer, but they could like that lose their job. Right, cause a little bit worse for them is off the tour. A hundred percent. And that's a big threshold, you know, <laughs> on the tour, off the tour is like big deal. The, the difference between being 125th on the money list and 126th on the money list is massive. 100%. <laughs> right? Right? So you got to be like super careful in those situations. Like with something like that, I'm, I'm oftentimes taking, at least to start out with, as, you know, like non invasive of a strategy as possible. Like I'm getting a lot of stats from, say, someone like uh, Brody and trying to see if there's any parts of their game that, you know, are just off because of maybe the way they practice, time allocation, things like that. All right. Things when you're at a tour event, people that you don't teach that you'll stop and watch do something, and it could be putting, chipping, ball striking, driving. I love watching uh, Phil hit pitch shots. I mean, I remember at St. Andrews 15, he was seeing these pitch shots that were just like, it's crazy because like a lot of people, when they, they spin it, like, like their spinners are coming out low, right? Or they hit it high, they lose a lot of spin, sort of a flop, and just kind of you know, will, will stop more because of the trajectory. Phil and Tiger, would say, are kind of the only guys I've seen who can hit it high with a lot of spin. And uh, he was seeing these shots at St. Andrews on the practice screen, and it was like, I mean, it's almost like, I don't, I don't know what exactly he's doing. I, it's almost like he's ricocheting the club off the ground into the ball, and it just like had so much spin in, on it. It was, it was ridiculous. So Phil's always fun to watch around the greens. I love watching Xander putt. Xander just rolls it. It just looks so solid. He works with Derek Ueda. They've done an awesome job with his, his um, game on the greens. Rory's always fun to watch. Mm. He's fun to watch at a golf ball. Driver especially. Oh, it's so great. And I mean, I know your guy drives super long, but man, when Rory's driving it good, it's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah. And you said I can't mention one of my guys because. Yes, you can. Go ahead. You said I can't. You said, you said had to I get, changed my mind. Go ahead. Well, like, like watching Bryson driver, too. Okay. Yeah, we'll let you say that. I mean, I feel like we should let you say that. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. But, uh, but Rory's, Rory's really fun to watch swing a golf club. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, that's one of those ones that when you're walking down the range, there aren't many people I've walked down a range and where I stop. Yeah. I think DJ hitting drivers is impressive. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. What was it? What was maybe, I'm trying to think what year it was. 2011, maybe? Was that Augusta? I was, I was there as, as, a spec, as a patron. Patron? Sorry. You <laughs> might get banned. Come on. <laughs> and uh, he was seeing these, like, nippy wedges that had, like, a fair amount of, like, right to left yeah, movement on them. And they just looked so awesome off the face. But, yeah, I would say Roy. Iron player. Sergio's cool to watch. It's got like cool sounds. He's yeah, got Sergio. It's a little bit like the throwback to like sort of romanticizing the guys who like take a div and it you know has like a cool sound to it and all that. 
You know, and I think at the end of the day, it's like, look, if I could hit like a guy like Hogan or Trevino, obviously hit it great. And they, again, they get a little romanticized because of like the ball flight's cool. They take a divot, it's got like, a cool sound to it. But it's like if, if I could have anybody's sort of ball striking prowess in the history of the game, it's like Nicholas, right? <laughs> Just like throw it up straight up in the air and stop it on fast greens. Like what more do you want right. for, for winning exactly. big time tournaments, right? It's surprising to me, you know, not going on it, but like, how few people talk about how good is about his golf swing. You know, everybody talks about his majors and how he played. Whereas he hit it so good, right? He hit it so good. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy though how you know people get locked in on certain golf swings. Everybody tried to make people swing like Tiger in two thousand, which was pretty good. And uh, yeah. sure, but, but I would say it's a good one to copy because of like how well he hit it, not because the. The aesthetics per se, right? Whereas a guy like Nicholas hit it really, really well, but he's less copied because he may not have like this sort of like symmetry that people seem to gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. And I think people like that that visual of like, oh, it's kind of you know more or less going up on one plane and down on the plane, right? On, on the same plane, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you know, I just kind of care where the ball is going. <laughs> yeah. Any more questions for Como? Favorite swing of all time is that Jack Nicholas. Uh, I mean, it's probably Tiger, Tiger because 2000. Tiger probably did hit it as as good as as from a purely sort of functional perspective. That's probably the best anybody's ever hit a golf golf ball. Great. So he just happened to have both sort of the 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 functionality and the aesthetics of it. I just think the aesthetics can kind of like fool you sometimes, right? But the functionality was still there. So so by that definition, I would I would still choose Tiger. You ever have a golf swing that you look at with your eye? And you're like, I mean, it's not that good. But then you load, you slow it down, you look at different things, and you're like, shit, this is really good. Yeah, for sure. Although I think, I think I'm pretty good about not getting fooled by like a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and sort of like picking up on what a guy's doing through the ball. And that to me is like really kind of what matters. But yes, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you know, you get a swing, and and uh, you know, it may have a lot of like craziness to it. Right, but then Matt. you start to frame, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then through the ball, and then you watch him watch the ball, and you're just like, well. And you just watch him, you yeah. watch him through the ball, right? If you were to just sort of like, like you're saying, slow it down through the ball, you're like, that's awesome. Right, that's gonna get it done. <laughs> There's nothing unorthodox about the way he works works it through the not through at the ball. all. If yeah. you just filmed that part, oh. everybody try to teach that. Yeah, right. So, That'd be oh, what they say it. they're teaching. Book it, yeah, Chris. You're the best. You're a legend. Thanks, Tony. All right, buddy. Have a great week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. As we go into year two of the tour coach, it wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my 
career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long time, long withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other, and we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I wanna give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time. And that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with. And not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first class people and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines it's hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job. And they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers. And we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to the Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines. And keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on the Tour Coach.